Hi, I'm Jennifer from Oakland. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on the program, comedian John Mulaney. Before we get to the interview, here's a selection from his brand new CD called The Top Part. I've lived in New York City now for a few years, and I have uh, a new phenomenon in my life where late at night on the street, uh, women will see me as a threat. That is funny, yeah. <laughs> that is silly. It's weird, too, because, like, I'm still afraid of being kidnapped. (laughs) But I'll give you the best example of this. A couple of months ago, I was at a subway station at 2 o'clock in the morning, all right? And I'm changing between trains, 2 o'clock in the morning, and at this subway station, you have to, like, walk down this long hallway in order to change trains. So it's 2 o'clock in the morning, it's just me and this woman, And we're walking down the hallway. She's walking a few yards ahead of me. But she keeps giving me, like, the the over-the-shoulder, like that, you know? And then she starts to pick up the pace. Like, she starts to walk a lot faster. So I think, oh, she must hear the train coming. (laughs) Or maybe she feels it in her feet, like a Native American in a movie. So I start to sprint down the hallway at her, and she looks back and she's like, ah! And then she gives chase, so now we're booking it down the corridor at two o'clock in the morning, and I'm gaining on her. I'm gaining on her, and we're getting to the end of the hallway, and she starts to go into that, like, dead-end shuffle, you know, that women do when you chase them. And I'm almost there. I'm almost at her, and then it dawns on me. Oh, she's running from me. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program is comedian and writer John Mulaney. Uh, His brand new comedy CD, which is called The Top Part, has just been released by Comedy Central Records, and it's no coincidence that his first Comedy Central Presents special airs April 3rd at 10 p.m., and if you're hearing this after April 3rd, probably ad nauseum for the next 10 years uh, on Comedy Central. Uh, John, welcome to the San Diego America. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the program It's great to be here. It's always a pleasure to have someone on the Sound of Young America younger than myself. Only by a year, though, right? Yeah, you're 26. I'm 26, and you're 27, 27, almost 28. Should we fight? Huh? I think we should fight. Should we break a broomstick in half and just go at it? Just go to town. That'd be great. Break a broomstick on our knee, Bo Jackson style. Yeah, I could never fight you, though, because you are a fellow sufferer of babyface old radio voice. Yeah. Which we're both afflicted (laughs) with. (laughs) I read read in, in a past interview that you did that you grew up with a very interesting combination of comedy in your world. It comprised both of the sort of contemporary comedy of the 
uh, late 1980s, early 1990s, the Wayne's Worlds and so on, mm-hmm. and of a sort of secondary stream of like Bob and Ray records that you used to get to sleep as a kid? Oh, yeah. I would, well, cassettes. I had a lot of old radio shows in boxes under my bed, tapes that my dad would get me. He'd get those catalogs that... Oh, sure. I like don't know the wireless they... catalog? Yeah. Or and No, I guess they don't come through PBS. I think he got signed up for them because we would buy PBS box sets. And I would listen to like the Jack Benny show and Fibber McGee and Molly and Burns and Allen and Bob and Ray. And we should be clear that when you say Fibber McGee and Molly, you mean that you actually listen to Fibber McGee and Molly. You're not just uh, saying the old time radio show with the funniest name. No, no, no. I actually listen to their show. Is that the one with the funniest name? Yeah, I guess so. It really is. Fibber McGee Duffy's and Duffy's Tavern is kind of a funny name, too. That's that's a show, I believe. It's funnier. That's funnier in the context of an old-time radio show. I mean, I think there's... No, really, yeah. How did? How, it would be tough pretend? to find a context where Fibber McGee and Molly isn't funny. I agree. I agree. And they had that closet full of stuff that every time they opened would all fall out. Yeah. Fibber McGee and Molly is a funny memorial service. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you, I'm going to a memorial service for Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> oh, because they died together? <laughs> yeah, I guess oh, so. they were in the same car. I can only presume oh, no. so. Or they were both killed by all the stuff in the closet. I'm going to stop now making Fibber McGee and Molly references What was because directly. they mean nothing? I don't think they're... they're... Except to our public radio audience. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What was your favorite? Um, Bob and Ray became my favorite. Uh, what I... was your favorite before Bob and Ray? Because Bob and Ray is the classy, smart comedy nerd answer to that question okay uh fair fair it wasn't at the time it was just this thing that i listened to when i was 11 and my older brother and sister made fun of me for but jack benny was my favorite before that that and you bet your life the radio uh, incarnation of you bet your life with graduate marks and the tv was also with graduate marks but when did bob and ray start to make an impression i got four sets of four tapes each of bob and ray so I had 16 cassettes of Bob and Ray. I got them for Christmas when I was about 12. And I started listening to them and at first didn't quite get it. I don't know why. And then gradually I would just like, you know, I, I would fall asleep with my Walkman on most nights listening to some old radio show because um, I was just bad at falling asleep. I was very afraid of uh, burglars and kidnappers and murderers who would come in your house and chop you up and murder you. Mummies? Mummies? No, no, nothing supernatural. That was the problem. So it couldn't be debunked by my parents. Most, If, if you was... were afraid of monsters, your dad can tell you monsters don't exist. But I would say, I'm afraid someone's going to break in and, you know, put a gun to your head, dad, and then, you know, you'll have to, like, lead him up to our rooms and he'll kill us all and stuff. And since that is technically possible, there wasn't much he could say other than, like, well, we have an alarm. So. One, one time a junkie broke into my house, threatened, oh, no. my, threatened my mom with a knife, but I was mostly scared of mummies. Really? Primarily mummies. I mean, burglars occurred to me, uh-huh. but primarily mummies. You weren't afraid of junkies after that? Well, I was afraid of junkies in the sense that junkies are pretty scary, mm-hmm. although they're not that much more scary than winos, to be honest with you. There's something really disconcerting about a wino when you're little. Yeah. I don't want to do the work now, but we could do a mummies versus junkies bit. We'll we'll pound it out later. Okay, we'll great. And There's we'll, got to be some grist there. We'll punch it in later mm-hmm. and pretend like we we thought of it in the moment. Yeah, yeah. We'll, do we'll it write out this. a few gags. <laughs> I've been trying to follow the news more this year. I've been trying to be much more involved with the news. You know, I read that uh, this week, over two days, the Dow Jones dropped 929 points. And I can't 
tell you how frustrating it is to not know what that means. <laughs> it's getting embarrassing when there's too much financial news. It gets real embarrassing. At this point, like, when I'm watching CNBC, I almost feel like I'm a kid again, and I'm, and I'm like, listening to my parents talk about me in front of me. And I don't know what the f*** they're saying, but I know that it's gonna affect me. You know, they're like, I think someone needs to go to BED. And I'm like, mm, uh, I don't know what this BED shit is. I just know I'm gonna get screwed. Was there a point when you realized that uh, jokes were something you could make in addition to uh, something you could appreciate? Um, yeah, I tried to be funny since I was about, you know, three or four. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if it was jokes. It was, you know, yelling and <laughs> running around. Sure, I mean, a four-year-old's idea of funny is mostly nonsense. I had a joke when I was four that I still like. Uh, I was at a birthday party when I was four years old. This girl, Liz, from my preschool, and her mom uh, saw the shirt I was wearing and said, that's one sharp shirt you have on. And I said, yeah, sometimes I use it instead of scissors and then walked out of the room. <laughs> I knew that was, I knew <laughs> then that was an outline. You, you happened to be carrying a microphone. You just threw it on the ground. Well, it, it was an ice cream cone and I <laughs> threw it to the ground. Isn't that adorable? Were you actually in, were you actually in a child sketch comedy group? Yes. Yeah. I was in a sketch comedy group when I was seven years old called the Rugrats. Uh, this was before that Nickelodeon cartoon, the Rugrats. We didn't take our name from them. Don't accuse us of that. And it was run out of like a black box theater in Chicago. And I still, I should ask my mom who first told her about it, but someone said to her like, Hey, you're kid is weird and loud and annoying <laughs> maybe he'd like to do this and she signed me up for it and what we would do is just like improv games and different things for probably two weeks <laughs> in my head it felt like six months but it was probably like two weeks of you know twice a week uh doing these different like kind of improv short form exercises and stuff and out of that we built like a review uh, of sketches. Do you remember what any of the sketches were? I do remember doing, um, just doing Dana Carvey's George Bush impression, uh, almost verbatim. And it's that, still that pretty was good for piece. a seven-year-old. Yeah, I wonder. I have no idea how it sounded. It sounded pitch perfect in my head. Um, but I think I just regurgitated the words that I would hear Dana Carvey do, and uh, that was one. <laughs> that was one standalone piece in the show. Sure. To give you an idea. We did one sketch I remember about uh the boys were the secretaries and the women were the the women, the girls were the bosses. Uh and you know, we 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 flipped the gender script and we wowed the audience. It's a powerful political statement. Yeah, it was. It really was. Uh we had a director who was this uh very nice woman who told me she was in the movie Bright Lights Big City. And so I asked my mom to rent Bright Lights Big City, and I looked for her, and she wasn't in it. But I never, <laughs> I never mentioned it to her. <laughs> it's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org, and I'm Jesse Thorne. 
My guest is the young stand-up comic John Mulaney, who's taking the world by storm with a new Comedy Central special and a brand new CD called The Top Part. I love reading crime news in general. I like uh, the local paper in a city because they always have good crime coverage. And it's funny to me when the local paper will try and make someone sound prettier after they're murdered. Like you'll walk by the newsstand and uh, you'll see the headline like, Beauty Slain. And then you look at the photo and you're like, mm. Mm. How about body found? You went to college at uh, Georgetown University, home of the Georgetown Hoyas. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is the, home of the Hoyas. Yeah. This, is this, this is the segment on uh, college mascots. On the hoops. That I do on every show. Georgetown, for folks right around your age, became a, somehow a comedy hotbed. There are a number of pa two past Sound of Young America guests, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan and Mike Birbiglia, each mm -hmm. of whom is just a little bit older than you. Yep. Um, uh, your writing partner and partner in crime, often the very funny uh, comedian and actor Nick Kroll. Yep. Also a, a Georgetown student. How did you get involved in, in doing comedy there? Well, I started at Georgetown, let's see, in 2000. And as a freshman in the first couple of weeks, I auditioned for the Georgetown Improv Group. And the director, who was a senior, was uh, Nick Kroll. Uh, so he cast me in the in the improv group and we would do, um, you know, um, multiple shows a year and different improv fests and stuff. And Mike Birbiglia actually had just graduated before I got there. And along with some other alumni, they formed this group called Little Man in New York that would perform at the UCB theater there. So we were both performing at Georgetown, Nick and I, and others like Jacqueline Novak, who's a hilarious comic in New York. We were all uh, performing together and then, you know, had this uh, link to some performers at the UCB Theater and in New York at large. So we could kind of, you know, do our thing at school and also saw, you know, oh, that's how you do it when you get out of college. The Upper Citizens Brigade Theater in 2000, 2001 was a pretty new institution. It's now sort of a standby of the uh, alternative comedy world. Was it sort of a mecca for you at the time? Was it something that you looked to and realized like, oh, this is something I can actually seriously do? Oh, yeah. We went to, when we were uh, freshmen, uh, when I was a freshman, Kroll organized a trip to New York where we went up and like did some like workshops with uh, UCB, with Armando Diaz and a couple other UCB teachers. And we went to see ASCAT that Sunday night. And I think it was, let's see, Ian Roberts, uh, Horatio Sands, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, maybe Manzukis. I'm, I'm trying to remember who all was, was playing and Tina Fey was doing monologues. And that was in the old theater when if you sat in the front row you were basically on the stage and that was just that was amazing so yeah so it was it was early on in college that i saw oh there's there's stuff going on there that you can go and sign up for and then do hopefully and then uh at the same time you know getting in get, in getting to know berbiglia who was an alumni who'd been in the improv group i saw you know oh you you can also go and actually be a stand-up comic <laughs> you can actually go and do it at open mics and, and around town because, you know, different rooms were opening then, too. I've never understood being goth, you know? I could never do that. I could never dress goth. And don't get me wrong, I'm unhappy. It's not that. <laughs> it's just that if you're a goth person 
Every single day, you have to put on, like, new makeup and nail polish and Satan stars. Like, I bet you part of the reason goths are so miserable is they wake up every morning and think, oh, God, I gotta put all that back on. Why did I join? It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is comedian John Mulaney. His first CD is called the top part. We'll have more in just a minute when we come back. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. Are you an artist or designer? Try your luck at the second annual Maximum Fun Drive t-shirt contest. Every year for our annual pledge drive, it's coming up in May, by the way. We create a limited edition Maximum Fun shirt for donors, and every year that shirt is designed by a listener just like you. Here's how it works. Create a design on any color American Apparel t-shirt and send a web-friendly image file to our intern, brian at MaximumFun.org. Between now and Tax Day, April 15th, Brian will be posting designs in a special thread on our forum. He'll choose 10 semifinalists, and forum members will vote to determine our five finalists. Then a blue ribbon super panel of t-shirt experts will vote on the finalists and choose our winner, which will be produced for our hundreds of Maximum Fund donors. Besides the satisfaction of knowing that he or she has made the world a better place, all the finalists and the eventual winner will get prizes from MaximumFund.org. The overall winner will even get $100 cash American in the bank. You have until April 15th. Ladies and gentlemen, start your drafting pads. Welcome back to The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is comedian John Mulaney. You open your new CD, which is your first CD, with a bit about uh, drinking to the point of blackout yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah, every um, night. Every night. Come yes. on, Jesse. <laughs> Sorry, I drinking don't Drinking in the to... day. I'll tell you about blacking out. It was, it was always weird when I would go out for the night with, like, some money and black out and wake up with no money. It was even weirder, though, when I would go out for the night with some money, black out, and wake up with more money. Because that means that I earned money. That means that I traded goods and or services. That's kind of a gutsy thing to, to hit a crowd with right off the top, especially if you're not, you know, it, maybe it's one thing if you're, um, I don't know, who'd be like a Dave Attell, somebody in their 40s who's kind of grizzled, and that's part of their comic persona. You have the aforementioned baby face. You're a 26-year-old man. Man, wow. What led you, uh, uh, you're a 26-year-old lad. What led you to to make that an opener? Like, wh what kind of well, reactions do you get? I here's the thing. I never thought it was very gutsy. I started talking about drinking and blacking out after I quit drinking. Um, the first time I talked about it was at a club in Cincinnati called Go Bananas. This was probably like 2005, 2005 December, <laughs> and. Some of those stories or, or you know, uh, anecdotes about blacking out got a laugh. So I kept doing them. So to me, it wasn't gutsy at all. Comedy is a job that takes place at night. 
It's a job where, you know, if you're drinking a lot every night and you're an insurance salesman, um, you can, if you can pull yourself out of the bed the next day with a black coffee and a couple of raw eggs or whatever you're chosen. <laughs> what year do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, in my world, uh-huh. all, all drinkers are insurance salesmen uh-huh. whose cure to it is uh, black coffee and raw eggs. And you left out the Alka-Seltzer. That yeah. fizz is too loud. That's how hungover they are, is that the Alka-Seltzer <laughs> fizz is too loud. Um. What were you saying about insurance saying, salesmen in 1939? I was saying, you know, and then they, they can start drinking at happy hour. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're drinking so heavily that you're blacking out, you're drinking during your work hours if you're a comic. Yeah, I I was doing comedy when I still uh, drank, but not as much. I mean, you know, and, and in fact, I, I stopped about a year after college and then started doing because of the newfound productivity uh, lots more comedy the, those periods didn't overlap is what i mean i'm a big movie fan it i'm very very confused why so many people love the movie scarface though uh i'm not saying it's a bad movie it is but that's not my point <laughs> it's just that like i've seen tons of people in the past couple years who wear like knee long scarface t-shirts like it's a flag or something. Like like the guy from the movie Scarface is their hero. I wonder if they've seen the end of the movie. Because it ends really, really badly. Spoiler alert. Scarface dies, snorting a comical pile of cocaine in a tacky-ass mansion that looks like if, like, the Golden Girls won the lottery. They won the Powerball lottery. Also, I don't like people lumping in Scarface with better movies. I have friends that'll be like, yeah, I like movies like The Godfather and Scarface. Oh, yeah? Well, my favorite foods are lobster and Skittles. Those are equal in my eyes. My guest John Mulaney is a stand-up comic who just recorded his first CD, The Top Part. You got a job writing for Saturday Night Live. Yes, I did. Which is sort of a, a classic first job for a junior comedy genius, um, such as yourself. Um, <laughs> That's very sweet of you. That would be a good like series of paperback Nancy Drew like books. <laughs> the junior comedy genius. <laughs> <laughs> we solve we solve mysteries. Maybe they're living in an abandoned diner. Maybe we live in a tree. Yeah, like sure. A out tree. How about a tree in an abandoned diner? Because that's how right. abandoned I'll the go, diner is. I'll go with diner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so abandoned that a tree started growing through the floor, and we live yeah. in it. Yeah. And we go to sets, and then we solve crimes. Yeah, sure. This does the. Do you think this is possible? Do you think the crimes go down in the clubs themselves? Do you oh, think maybe we track down joke since, thieves. And what if, what's great Jesse, is Jesse. What if we track down joke thieves? Oh my goodness! Each book takes place in a different city. Yeah. Oh, this week we're at the Punchline in San Francisco. Next week. We're on the road. We're headed to Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale. Yeah. Then we're Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Yeah, and then we're going to Charlie Goodnights in North Carolina. Yeah, and, and mostly the comedy clubs that they that they perform in are the ones with the dumbest names. Yeah, well, that keeps the reader interested. You know, the sure. names have to pop and have a little texture to it. <laughs> were you intimidated when you first started at Saturday Night Live? I was uh, very intimidated. I am an anxious person. Uh, I started there this August. I was uh, really, 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 really excited to start, it was uh, the job I'd wanted to have since I was about seven years old, and I was really intimidated. And then I got there, and I have to say, the people there were incredibly welcoming. 
and incredibly friendly. Uh, and if it has a stigma for not being that, uh, that is not my experience at all. Did you have a first great triumph on the show? I was fortunate enough to get a sketch in my first show. Uh, that was pretty great. And I also... Uh, what was the sketch? Um, it was uh, on the Michael Phelps episode. It was this sketch. It was sort of a continuation of these T-Mobile ads that were out that month. So did you kids pick who's going to be in your five yet? I picked Stacy, Beth, Ashley, Rachel, and Jenny. <laughs> That's funny. I also picked Stacy, Beth, Ashley, Rachel, and Jenny. Friends are hot. Mom, Dad, are you gonna do anything? Well, maybe you shouldn't have such hot friends. <laughs> Who's in your five? Introducing my faves for families. I'm sorry. What, what did you just say? You, you think her friends are hot? <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, you know, come on, they're attractive young women. <laughs> oh, you're, you're attracted to them. I didn't say that I was attracted to them. I said that they were attractive. Michael, these are 15-year-old girls. What are you implying? Each person gets an unlimited number of calls to any five people. That's right. All the calls you want to make... Jeez, Amanda, it's like you think I'm some kind of sicko. What am I supposed to think, huh? Like you say you think, you think girls our daughter's age are, are sexy? What would you know about sexy? <laughs> huh? I mean, you've been so cold to me, so cold to my touch for so long. That goes for any number, even landlines. Do writing for sketch and writing for stand-up exercise different muscles for you, or is it different sides of the same coin? That's a good question. I guess more different sides of the same coin. I mean, you know, sketches need to have hard jokes like stand-up, so it more comes down to... You know, you can write a great joke, but it doesn't make sense for a character. Uh, you write a great joke for yourself as a stand-up, unless you have a really, really defined character on stage, which I which I don't, you know. like Unless you're like a Stephen Wright and you say, well, that's just not my kind of joke. Or other comics have a really well-defined character. You can use it. In Sketch, um, I've found uh, <laughs> in my limited experience that, you know, you'll say, you'll come up against the reality that this character wouldn't say such and such joke. Can you think of a joke that you thought of just in passing, maybe recently, and found yourself sort of noting it in your mental or and or physical notebook under either the column stand up or sketch? You know, since I started, um, and I found this like working on important things with Dimitri Martin, when I was when I was working on those, just most ideas start to go towards the show. For better, normally. I mean, it's it's good to just kind of throw your all at those things. So there have been a couple things that I've thought, well, that's just a stand-up joke for me to say. But, you know, if I have something topical that I think of, there's, you know, submitting it to update. If there's some kind of strange joke that would work as a sketch, I'll, I'll try and get that written as a sketch. So most things, honestly, fall into the column of, oh, I should I should maybe work on this for the show. But I, I try and reserve some things for stand-up still, yeah. Do you feel like you're uh, on your way to figuring out who you are as a stand-up, to defining yourself as, as more than just jokes? Um, I think so. I hope so. You know, I, don't have, <laughs> I haven't had yet a ton of life experiences. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to say what sort of material 
I'll be doing in a few years. I don't know, you know, and, and that will certainly uh, help sort of figure out what kind of persona I have on stage. I mean, I, I would hope it would just be as close to my real personality as it could be. Not that I figured out my real personality either. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Oh, the thank you for having America. me. This is uh, a real thrill to be here. It was great to have you. Comedian John Mullaney's brand new CD is called The Top Part. Uh, his Comedy Central Presents Half Hour Special uh, premieres April 3rd at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. And, of course, like, like many of those specials, will be uh, seen in reruns thereafter. Uh, John, thanks again. Thank you, Jesse. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Our editor is Nick White. Intern, Brian Fernandez. My dog, taking a nap in her little bed, is Coco the Chocolate Dog. You can always email me directly if you have thoughts about the show, jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. Or you can visit us online and tell us what you think on the forums. And if you're a designer or an artist, get those t-shirt designs in. Remember, the theme is Maximum Fun. Three entries per person. Brian at MaximumFun.org. Email them over to him, and he'll get them posted on the forum for you. Thank you so much. I love you so much. And if you're not an artist or designer, now's a great time to start getting your donation fingers warmed up for next month's festivities. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. 